to Out of the Mouth of Babes, the podcast for our future leaders. Today, we have a very special guest in the room with us. We have Mayor Dave Snow. Yes! Give Thank Mayor you. Dave Snow a round of applause. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. We're going to first start it off with the kids. I'm sorry. Young adults introducing mm, yeah. themselves. Who are you? Where you're from? What you're interested in? And all of the above. All right. Hello, uh, Mayor. I'm Michael Allen Lucida. I come straight here from Richmond. Uh, I'm a sophomore in high school, 15. I'm glad you're here with us today, and I can't wait to see what you bring. Thank you. Good to meet you, Michael. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Kevin Hanley, Jr. I'm a senior in high school at Richmond. Uh, I play football and I wrestle. I'm excited to speak with you. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me, man. The other thing that these two didn't mention, they're also a member of the Wayne County Writers, which is a poetry club. Um, I think Kevin's a mentor. mentor um, he's also involved in um, Green Club. Oh, yeah, RHS Green Club. And uh, Michael's involved with some gaming clubs as well. Is that correct? Or you do a lot of gaming? I have a YouTube channel. Has a YouTube channel. But anyway, I'm going to turn it over to you, Dave, and then let you introduce yourself and a little bit about you. And then I'm going to let the students um, sit back, and they're going to ask you questions. Great. So. Excellent. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I have uh, Dave Snow. I lived in Richmond my entire life. I love living in this city. I've had a lot of opportunities to be elsewhere. My my career was in broadcasting. I think a lot of people know that. And so I, I feel at home here. I feel good. feels good to be back uh, in this kind of setting. And, uh, you know, in my career in broadcasting, really developed a, a real love for the community. Um, it was through broadcasting that I learned the difference in sort of a city and a community and a quality of place. And it, and it didn't happen at a young age, I'll be honest with you. You know, it, it really came about in my late 20s. If you'd asked me at 23 or 24, you know, what makes a city a city or what makes Richmond Richmond, I, I think I would have referred to buildings and street names and things like that. But then at about 29, it all changed. And, and there's a whole story that kind of came along with that. But I got really involved in the City of Richmond fireworks that happen at Glenn Miller Park every year. And that really started opening my eyes to what it means to call this place home and why it's home. And it goes beyond buildings and streets. Developed a huge love and passion for wanting to see Richmond be the best it can be. And then decided to run for mayor. Uh, I was elected in November of 2015. I've been serving as mayor uh, since the beginning of January 2016 when I was inaugurated. This will represent the end of my second term. And I'm currently running for mayor to serve in a third term if, uh, if everyone chooses to keep me here. So uh, it's an exciting time right now. It's a busy time. It's a stressful time. But a campaign at its best should always be a really healthy discussion that a community has about its potential, its future, its possibilities, and who in the community wants to partner with others in the community to see that vision to fruition. That's really what it's all about. That's us at our best. Now, when you watch TV and watch the news, none of that's happening, right? And so we have to be that here and be that change. So uh, that's a little bit about my background, and, and we can get into more through the conversation if you want to. Michael, you're up. All right. Uh, let's start. Uh, the goals. What goals do you have if you are elected again? So, you know, talking about my goals, I am an overachiever at heart. When I ran for mayor in 2015, I set out this list of things I wanted to do while I was mayor. And I said, you know, we're going we're gonna to tear down that old hospital. We're going to fix up these roads. We are going to – so let me back up a little bit. I grew up on South 6th Street, like 
two two blocks from here, uh, right right on two twenty three South Sixth, right between um, St Andrew's Church and, and Bethel AME, right there in the middles where I grew up. And so I always think of those two places as like my other family and the people that raised me, right? Um, and so my whole life, my dad worked in a local factory called Richmond Casting. A lot of people think my dad is the judge because they hear Mayor Snow and they think Judge Snow. And so I always have to tell them, like, my, I, know, I know Judge Snow, nice guy. I don't know how we're related. So my dad just recently retired from a local factory. Um, and my mother used to be a cashier at a local drugstore called Hooks Drugs. But there's only two of us at the table that know what in the world that is. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, and so she put herself back through school in her late 30s to become a nurse and then spent her nursing career at Friends Fellowship. Uh, and so it's, it's been a great upbringing and a, and a great life here. And so my whole, my whole life, people have said, if we bring back the jobs, you know, cause my dad being a factory guy would always talk about how he watched factory jobs leave. Right. And so I always heard if we bring back the factory jobs and start putting back our manufacturing base and we fix up these roads and we get people living downtown again and make downtown full of people again, Richmond's unstoppable. That's what has to happen. Right. And I heard that my whole life. So ran for mayor in 2015 and said, we're going to tear down that old hospital. We're going to put people back downtown. We're going to, we're going to reestablish the job base. We're going to fix the roads. Now, also when I was running for mayor, you guys might remember this back in 2015, there was a lot of talk about how all the city employees hadn't had a pay raise in 10 years. And I said, we're going to turn that around. We're going to get pay raises. I'm going to put out this huge list so much so that the local newspaper ran an article and said, is this too much? Can he really do this? Or is he giving us all a big airy promise that he can't fulfill? And then he's sitting here today, like we're checking all that stuff off. And so you talk about the goals coming into this next term. We are at about the one yard line to use a sports analogy, um, to getting a, a, a big $40 million project downtown to put 150 market rate apartments, which is huge. You put all these people down here living here. That's 300, 200, 300 people that live here then they're going to want things. They're going to want to shop and eat and hang out and bring their family and friends. Uh, this year, we've had a record year in our Midwest industrial park. We had $300 million invested this year in our industrial park. And since becoming mayor, we've created a thousand new jobs. And right now, our unemployment rate is below the national average. So we're, we're doing all the things. Uh, of course, the, hosp- the old hospital is long gone. Uh, but now I look at that list and I think, man, we did it. And now we've got so much more to do. So I'm very, very excited and very energized about these next four years. And there's a lot more. I, when I look at this city, I see a lot of potential, a lot of things we can still do. I mean, this room we're sitting in is so cool, this view that we have. And how do we show more people how cool this city is and how cool it looks from here? And you know, I get really excited about those kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty pumped about it. Kevin? Okay, so um, you mentioned that list of things you had, and so maybe you don't know, but there are some people who have judged your work, especially yeah. with the roads. And yeah. So they I mean they think that it's not getting done fast enough, or oh, sure. they think that downtown has been closed for too long. Uh-huh. So what would you say to those people who have those comments about how the rate of things in which are going? Yeah, you're only going to push that so fast. So some of the road work you've seen is state road work, Mm -hmm. and some of it is ours. And so we only have so much money every year in our city budget to allocate to that road work. And then the state's on their own schedule. So no mayor in the state of Indiana is going to call NDOT and say, I demand that you do this on this. It just doesn't work that way. The state builds their own schedule. And they've been doing 27 through downtown. 
Uh, and then we did loop phase one and then coming uh, in, oh, I don't know what, what we're about uh, 16 months or so away from loop phase two. And that project is what attracted this huge investor to downtown. So, you know, you can't do it in a way where everybody goes to bed one night and you sprinkle magic uh, dust out and everybody wakes up to brand new roads. It doesn't work that way, especially when they've been deteriorating for as long as they had. Mm -hmm. And so I, I always have to remind people that no matter if it's a road or a building or your backyard, if you let it go and deteriorate for 10 years, you're not going to fix it in one, right? That doesn't make any sense. Your, your time to fix something is almost never exponentially smaller than the time that you let it deteriorate. Uh, it's not going to work that way. So, uh, yes, they deteriorate for a long time. They've taken a while to fix, but you look out there now and it, it looks really, really good. And so they're coming along. And then because of that investment and that work, we had this big investor come along and say, I see what you're doing. I want to jump on this moving train. I want to invest money in all of this. And that's, that's the work we've been trying to do for a long time is do the kind of work that attracts the big investors. Now it's working. So, but there's always going to be a report card. Yeah. There's always going to be, you know, you could go into Disney world and start complaining if you want to. <laughs> so, uh, I could have grown up in Richmond and, and done that and been a complainer, but I thought instead I'm going to go get things done. And I'm more than happy to take blame and be the bad guy and get fingers pointed at me because I'm actually doing something, right? Mm -hmm. I'm doing something about it. The roads aren't in disrepair anymore. And go ahead and complain that it took too long or you don't like this, but hey, they're not falling apart anymore, right? right? And that's Correct. the goal at the end of the day. At some point, you have to take the initiative to do something and stop worrying about how everybody's going to nitpick and complain. That's easy to do from the sidelines. You you mm -hmm. played sports, right? You yeah. play sports now. Would you say you wrestle? I wrestle and I yeah. play football. So it'd be easy for me to sit there and be like, man, that the way you did that match, Kevin. I mean, but you're the one doing it, right? Yeah. So it's like you can sit and talk about it or you can just do it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's how you gotta handle it. You gotta just be the one to do it, right? right that's man. what being mayor is all about, you know. Cast shed the spotlight. When good things happen, say that's because of so and so and so and so. And then when it's bad, say, Yeah, I'll take that, but mm -hmm. I'm getting it done, right? Michael, all right. Next uh, question off the sheet. All right. Uh, so, to many people, uh, Richmond does seem unappealing because of the uh, minimal attractions. Let's say someone outside of Richmond comes up to you and tells you that the town's bad because it has nothing to do. Mm -hmm. How would you prove them wrong? I'd tell them to come here to this podcast because I don't know how you're keeping the sound of that axe throwing out of this room. <laughs> I was out in the waiting area and I thought, I'm really anxious to walk in that room and see if they're able to keep that sound out of here. So there's things happening everywhere. And especially when we put two or 300 people down here, uh, that's going to keep growing. I've been into the new uh, retro Jake's arcade. It's awesome. Um, there's things happening everywhere. So people just have to start seeing the good and the beauty in our community and the things that we can do and then take the initiative to offer more. Right. I mean, the guy that opened that arcade just took the initiative to do it. And, and, is catching that same kind of critique from people that are like, oh, well, you could have done it this way or that way. I'm sure the axe throwing place upstairs is hearing, oh, it would be better if blank, 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 but they're doing it, right? They're doing it. And it sounds pretty successful because it's Sunday night. Uh, it's 7.30. And when I say that place is banging, I mean it literally. <laughs> it is banging up there. So, I mean, I think there's all kinds of stuff happening. And it's just about what people want and who wants to take the initiative to provide it and who has the positive attitude to go out and find all the cool stuff happening. I, I go to a lot of cool events all the time. I see lots of great stuff happening. So I think it mostly comes down to attitude, right? Yeah. But I'll tell you this. I, I took a 
little trip. I love uh, visiting uh, San Antonio, Texas, because it's a city that kind of made some connectivity in a cool way. Mm -hmm. So I was on my way to San Antonio, and I flew to Houston to visit Houston to drive up to San Antonio. And I had to get an Uber uh, for the first day just because I was renting my car the next day. And I get in the car with this Uber driver. And he says, what brings you to Houston? And I said, "Uh, I'm just here for like a day and a half, and then I'm driving to San Antonio. And he said, good thing, man. This town's terrible. There's nothing to do here. Like, San Antonio is a better city. And I thought, it's always the natives, right? The people that live in the city. That is Houston, Texas. And my Uber driver said, Ah, there's nothing to do here. Like <laughs> Houston, Texas, there's nothing to do in Houston, Texas. They have four major sporting arenas in their downtown. They have professional football, soccer, baseball, and hockey all downtown. And but there's nothing to do. Not in Houston, Texas, you know. So. And a Richmond native there, Nate Treywick, who coaches at the University of Houston. <laughs> right. So anywhere you go, you find a local. Have you lived here your whole life? They say yes, then you say, What do you think about this city? And they'll say, Nah, it's not, you know, nah. That's what the locals always say. Yeah. You know, just it gets old for them. Yeah, right. You know, you've just you you feel like you've seen it all, right? Yep. And so then everybody looks. And so when I was coming up through radio, I had a lot of offers from a lot of radio stations in a lot of different cities. Like, come live here and work here. And I always thought, like, why would I pack up a U-Haul and go, you know, four hundred miles away and then unpack it and then say, now I'm ready to do my best and invest myself and have a great attitude? Like, why can't I just do it here? So, I mean, I had to make that very conscious decision. So it really turned me around and I hope more people do that and have that moment and don't think the world's just so much better everywhere, but here, I think this is one of the best cities in America. I love it here. I I can't, I can't picture living anywhere else. And I see a lot of potential here. Okay. So you mentioned like retro jakes and, and then you said like when somebody, a lot of people will sit up to the side and they'll complain and things, but they complain about when things are getting done. How will you use your like your mayor status mm-hmm. to support local businesses and encourage economic growth in our community? Yeah, we do that in a lot of ways right now. So, man, there's a lot to unpack there. So at the city, we have you know, a revolving loan fund. A lot of people don't know the real details of that, which is really awesome. So we, uh, we are able to do gap funding for small business owners when they need to make capital purchases and they can't. Uh, fulfill that through a traditional bank loan. And I know everything I just said sounds like really boring and <laughs> a lot of bureaucracy, but just basically, let's say, Kevin, you own a coffee shop and you need to go out, your, your roaster's dead yeah. and you got to go buy a new coffee roaster. It's 20 grand. Now you got to come up with $20,000. So you go down to the bank and you say, I need money for a coffee roaster. And they say, well, we're not loaning you 20 grand. You've already got a loan out for the coffee shop. You've already got this. You've paid some of it off. You're in good standing, but not to a point where we're going to tack 20 grand on, but we will loan you 12, mm-hmm. right? The revolving loan fund is the gap funder. Then you can come ask, we call it RLF for short, for eight. And then you can go buy your new coffee roaster. So that's one of the ways that we support uh, the business market. So that, that's just one tiny one. We have uh, the Redevelopment Commission that does that within the TIF district, which is our tax increment finance district. I created the PLACE program that is knocking down barriers for small business. Uh, Then we have incentives for large companies that can come in and apply for incentives as they expand and grow uh, and out in the industrial park. So there's, there's a list of ways that we interact with business uh, to help them grow and flourish here in the community, but it's not easy, right? Running a business is really hard. And so people, when they go into it, have to be fully prepared. And hopefully they've been through the ISBDC, the Indiana small business development center and other things like that so that they're, fully ready to go, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. 
Michael, what kind of question do you have? Uh, I have a, I do have a question about um, what will you do with Old Richmond? Old Richmond is an attraction itself. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? What do you want to do to make sure it's uh, publicized? People like, and more people will get to know about it. Yeah, you, the Old Richmond neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful neighborhood, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, being mayor, um, I go out and market the city all over Indiana. We actually entered into a contract with a company called. The, the company name is TMAP, but it's called Make My Move. So we entered into a contract with them, and we are actively right now marketing Richmond and neighborhoods like that all over the country to a digital workforce. Uh, and it's working. We've already attracted people to move here through that program. And so they get pictures. They get this whole like sort of digital brochure, if you will, of like, we know you're a digital worker, and we see your profile. We'd like to invite you to move to Richmond, and here are some incentives and some ways you can get connected. Here's some of the housing. And so far, it's worked. We've had people from around the country over the last like two years that have decided to move to Richmond. So we're in the very baby steps of that, but we're going to see it grow in the next probably four to five years and see more people start to move here. Because I know it's hard when you've lived here your whole life, but when we market Richmond to people all over the country, uh, they see this place, and they're like, what a beautiful, amazing city. Here's something really interesting that I bet you don't realize because you guys have lived here your whole lives too, right? Mm-hmm. So we we took people's responses from a big survey we did that don't live here that got a glimpse of Richmond and we made a cloud graph out of it. And so the number one word that they called Richmond was the biggest word in the cloud graph. What do you guys think was the number one word for those people looking at Richmond? It's a fascinating answer that as a local, I wouldn't have thought of. You want to take a guess at it? Big. Big? Big's an interesting answer. Mm. You got a guess, Kevin? Community? Community's a good guess, too. But I'll bet when I tell you, you'll like you'll say, I never thought of that. that and it's it shows you how we as the locals have a weakness. I don't know how to... I don't okay, know. the word authentic. Mm. I love Isn't that. that fascinating? That makes sense. So we don't think about that, yeah. right? They said authentic. We've been to other communities where they try to sort of manufacture a certain look and feel, but in Richmond, it's real. It's all real. And man, you talk about something that just opened my eyes, you know, and I thought, wow. So how do we capitalize on the authentic feel of this city? And don't try to mask it and don't try to cover it up or hide it or don't put a facade over it. It's real, right? And so that just tells us that we need to do a better job of loving Richmond the way it is. Because when other people see it, they love it the way it is, right? They say, what an authentic city you have. That's cool. So it just goes back to the old Richmond. Old Richmond is authentic, right? Mm-hmm. So we got to keep it authentic, uh, keep the streets repaired, the sewers running, the street lights on. That's my job, right? And then uh, the people down there taking care of their homes, we keep marketing to people across the country, and people will continue to find this place authentic and keep coming here, and that's, that's what we want. All righty. As we are nearing town to end, uh, one question from the paper um, for each one of you, and then Mayor Snow, you will be able to kind of give us your elevator speech. Okay, all right. All right, so my, I guess my last question is, so you mentioned um, marketing Richmond and uh, getting it to more people, to get more people to come here, but not even just come here, but people that live here to come out of, correct. Out of I'll say out of hiding. Right. So, but then when you do that, my question for you is what measures will you implement to ensure the safety of our neighborhoods and reduce the crime rates? Yeah. So we're doing that now. We've seen a huge reduction in crime. So we, our police department uses what's called intelligence led policing. When I first came in, uh, we were really far behind with our police department. We've, we've raised the 
wages. You know, our, our, uh, uh, a starting police officer makes 30% more now in a starting wage than when I started. Mm-hmm. So we've raised it that much. And that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a lot, right? Yeah. We've bought 50 new police cars. We've upgraded all the equipment. So what does all that mean? I mean, I can tell you all that stuff, but how does the data shake out? So our police department tracks every single call that comes into our department, and it's called a call for service or a CFS. This is just the raw data that goes into a computer, right? Uh, when I came in as mayor back in the beginning of 2016, that year before, they had seen, I think, 43,000 calls for service. So if I'm, I wish I had this in front of me. And then this last year, that dropped dramatically. It dropped like 34%. So we're seeing less reasons to call the police because of the way our officers are managing their patrols and, and how they're interacting with people in their community policing. But the bigger number is uh, back in 2015. So in those calls for service, they don't only track the fact that the call came in, they track the outcomes when the call is complete, right? Mm-hmm. So then they create major categories. So in the major categories in crime, because when you talk about crime rates, right, it's really easy in a campaign to talk about crime rates as a candidate. But we need to get into what those crimes are because, you know, are, are we really worried about larceny, you know, and things like that? No, we're worried about crimes against persons and property, right? Those are the major categories, uh, crimes against persons and property. In that category, since 2015, I became mayor in 2016, and today that number has dropped almost 60%. More than half, more than half, uh, it's dropped. And so we went from over 2,000 to just over 800 and major crimes against persons and property. And that's not disputable. It's not arguable. I don't care who else sits in this chair and tries to tell you crime in this city and this and that. They're blowing smoke. I don't care what they say. I've got the actual data. <laughs> it lives in the police department. It's public, it's public documents, public knowledge. You can go ask for the document, and they'll print it out for you. Uh, we have seen, and that is all credit to our department. We have a tremendous police department. Uh, they all care very much about this community, and they work very, very hard. Uh, in their training and their education, and they have done that work to drive those rates down over the years. And so if you broadcast that to, around the country, you yeah. can show people that we live in a very safe community. We have almost zero random acts of violence in this city. You're not going to walk down the street and randomly get <laughs> mugged, right? Yeah. If we do have acts of violence, it's two people that knew each other or had some type of relationship. Uh, it's almost never just random, right? So uh, a 60% drop in, in major crimes against persons and property is huge. So we, we can tell people we do live in a safe city. Um, and, I'm, and I'm proud of our police department for the work they've done. Yeah, Dave, I love those numbers. Um, and I'm, you know, one of my philosophies is men lie, women lie, numbers don't. That's right. That's <laughs> right? right. Exactly. And so you can't dispute yeah. the numbers. That's and the so data. 60% increase. So Dave, this is an opportunity for you to kind of share with us your final um, yeah. Anything you want to share with well, the Well, thank listeners? you. I appreciate that. Look, I love my I love my job. I love uh, the opportunity to get to be the city's mayor. This is a life dream for me to get to have this opportunity. I'm humbled by it. I never. Um, my plan is not to overstay my welcome in this position. I, I want. There's some more work that I want to get done uh, for the betterment of the whole community, and I want to pave the way for guys like you mm-hmm. uh, to someday be running for office. And I hope I see that someday. And I can't wait to someday be fostering the next generation of elected officials uh, to take the helm here and, and do this job. And that's important to me how I conduct myself in my campaign and in my job, because for all those uh, young adults watching and saying, I might want to do that someday, I don't want to set a bad example, right? I want to do it the right way so you know that uh, I sit here as an elected official, as a representative 
of everybody in this city, and I want to be uh, respect everybody, or excuse me, I want to represent everybody with dignity and respect that everyone deserves. And so, um, I love this city. I think we have a ton of potential. And I think when we look at Richmond as, you know, you're going back to the road work and people say, Dave, you've kicked up so much dirt and dust since you've been mayor. I feel like every road's been torn up and the bridge has been torn down and all that. That's because I think when we look at Richmond as a finished city, we rob it of all of its potential. We're not a finished city. We're a city still growing and still thriving and still learning and still rising. And so I just close on saying Richmond is rising. It's an amazing place. I love calling it home, love the job I get to do, and I hope I've done enough to earn uh, your vote on Tuesday. Thank you, Dave. And one of the things we learned, and we, it wasn't with this group of students, is that some of the road work was also from, um, you know, from the state as well. And I yeah, think that's what that, I was talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and some of it you'll, you know, every mayor or governor, uh, you'll inherit it because it takes so long. Mm-hmm. You'll always inherit some work, and and the state does their own scheduling and. It's just all part of being mayor. It's just all part of it. It's just what you inherit. Well, Dave, thank you for supporting the show by coming on here, Out of the Mouth of Babes, the podcast for our future leaders. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you coming in on this Sunday evening. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. It's coming. Thank you. Thank you.